What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Hey everybody, good to be with you. I'm Steve Vandegraaff and I will be recording with you this week solo. I'm glad to be on with you and I hope everyone is doing well, feeling healthy and hanging in there. When this podcast comes out, most dentists will have either been closed or restricted for going on about two weeks, which is crazy. You know, who would have thought? A lot of conversation has happened recently around things that we should do during the shutdown to maximize our time. I think this is great. If you haven't listened to last week's episode with Derek and Justin, they share some really good ideas of things to do kind of while you're forced to the sideline. I'd recommend you listen to it. But with all of our newfound time, I wanted to share some helpful suggestions on time itself, or more specifically, time mastery. You know, the situation most of us find ourselves in a funny way reminded me of the story of Edward Shackleton. You probably have no clue who that is. He's worth a Google. There's a fair amount of documentaries about him. He was uh, an Antarctic explorer about 100 years ago. I'm kind of uh, nerdy. I like to, I, I really like survival stories and outdoor expedition stories. So that's kind of how I've read about him. But basically, his story goes, he he left England with a crew of 30 men or so 100 years ago on his ship called the Endurance towards the South Pole in an attempt to be the first person to traverse fully across the continent of Antarctica. It was kind of during the golden age of polar and Antarctic exploration. Anyways, a month into their journey, before they even reach the Antarctic land, their ship becomes frozen and gets stuck in an ice float. They try for weeks to break out of the ice, but soon they realize it's impossible. So they wait for summer to come and hope for better conditions. As you can probably guess, the better conditions never arise. And in fact, things just get worse. Soon they run out of supplies and the ice sheets end up shattering their boat and they find themselves stranded on a moving ice float in an ocean a thousand miles away from the nearest person. Nobody knows where they are and of course in those days there's no communication for any help. So Shackleton ends up leading this little crew of men across this frozen ice float until they eventually are able to make it to a small rock or a small island where he's able to stabilize the crew. They hunt seals and, and other animals to stay alive. And he sets off in this little lifeboat with a couple other men across an ocean in sub-zero temperatures for the one in a million chance to get to a small whaling outpost on an island about a thousand miles away. And against all odds, they actually make it there. Then Shackleton, it takes him four attempts, but he gets a boat back to that small rock to rescue his stranded crew. The entire ordeal and survival story takes about two years beginning to end, but it's pretty awesome. He doesn't lose a single expedition member. Everybody survives. 
there's a lot of leadership principles taught around Edward Shackleton's story, which are really good. And I, I think it, uh, it's a fascinating thing to read about. But I thought of him because of the nature of their, of their struggle. His crew was stuck with nowhere to go and nothing to do for two years except try not to freeze. And so to combat the helplessness and the boredom, he focused on managing time. He created a very strict routine for the crew. He'd have all men do chores and duties throughout the day, even if they were done the day before. He organized them all into sporting teams for regular competition and for physical activity. He held all the men to really high dress and grooming standards. They organized social functions, even though they were just sitting out there on the ice month after month. He created structure and discipline when it would have been easy to fall into laziness or despair given their their situation. So he focused not on just finding food for the men, but on using the commodity of time as a resource for their survival. Now, um, sorry to kind of go all history channel on you there, but it reminded me in a small sense of the situation that most dentists find themselves in right now. You know, we're kind of stuck in this weird waiting game where the option to treat patients and produce in our practices is largely out of our control for most of us. It's definitely easy to wonder what's going to happen to, you know, our practices or how much will be lost during this time financially. And those are certainly valid concerns, no doubt. But similar to uh, this survival story, when you can't choose your circumstance, you must create something out of the little things you do have control over and to maximize our time that we have given to us. Similar to uh, this Edward Shackleton guy. Alan Lakin wrote that time equals life. Therefore, waste your time and waste your life or master your time and master your life. And he's right. As you know, we can't store time or get anything back. It's ours to use or it's ours to lose. So I thought I'd share something I found helpful. The first is from Stephen Covey on what he calls the time management matrix. The time management matrix splits our activities into four quadrants according to two principles. The first principle is importance. Now, not all tasks that we have are equal. We need to determine which activities are most important. To do this, we need to think of the big picture, or as Covey says, begin with the end in mind. Those activities and tasks that have value or contribute to you achieving your long-term goals are obviously the most important. The next principle is urgency. How pressing is the task? For example, a ringing telephone call is very urgent, but it may or may not be important. Now, using these two principles, you can classify each of your activities into one of four quadrants. If it's helpful to you, you can go ahead and Google Covey's four quadrants, and so you can kind of visualize what I'm talking about. But basically, I'll explain it to you. Quadrant one, the first square, consists of those activities that are important and urgent. Things that if not done and done now will cause big problems. In this quadrant, you'll have deadlines, last-minute rushes, a lot of corrective actions. Tasks in this area need to be done and done quickly. If you feel you are running around putting out fires all the time, you're probably living in quadrant one. You know, we usually perform pretty efficiently in these tasks out of necessity, 
but it is easy to burn out if you spend a lot of time here. What do these activities look like in a dental office? I think uh, you could kind of describe these with what I like to call white knuckling it, you know, pushing through things, you know, understaffed or doing things yourself because you haven't trained the staff sufficiently to do them for you. You know, you're writing things off because finances were not properly presented to a patient earlier and now you're dealing with the problem now. Maybe you're scrambling before an appointment to make sure, you know, the lab case is is present and ready. These are all quadrant one activities. They're urgent and important. And don't get me wrong, I think the ability to perform well in hard circumstances and and white knuckle it from time to time are actually really important skills. You've got to get the job done. But if you're constantly in this mode, things are not going to be as efficient long-term as they could be otherwise. You know, outside the office, you're also going to have tasks that are important and urgent. We all have commitments in other pursuits, whether they're, you know, other business efforts or maybe the role of maybe leadership roles in your community or the duties to the relationships in your life. So it applies outside as well. Quadrant two So the second square are things that are high in importance, but low in urgency. This quadrant focuses on the things that have the highest value, but they are not immediately pressing you to be done this very instant, like the previous examples. These things, if you kind of determine what they are, you'll find that these are the most important things in life. They're related to our mission, to the goals that matter most to us. In this quadrant, we have professionally career development like you know, coaching, mentoring, self-development, establishing your vision, making profound and bold business plans. You can see why these things are important, but they aren't really urgent as you know, they're not reaching out and grabbing our attention. You have to intentionally prioritize things in this quadrant. In your office, for Dennis, this would look like, you know, investing in your team, training team members on how to bring their very best every day. You can see how the time invested in this activity, training or planning, will reduce the amount of activities that we talked about in quadrant one, where you're running around and putting out fires. So more time in square two, means a smaller square one. Outside of your practice, important but non-urgent things in the second square that we're talking about would be things like relationship building with the people that matter most, reading and deep learning. Recreational activities that are highly rejuvenating would be included here. Or activities that are really enriching for the soul, maybe music or service to people around you. These form the substance of your life's mission and goals. The time here spent on these things is truly fulfilling. So obviously, if you haven't figured it out yet, we want to intentionally try to spend our time on these activities more than others. So the third quadrant consists of things that are urgent, but not important. These activities might be important to other people, but they don't really align with our goals and values. So busybody type people unwisely remain in this quadrant. They spin their wheels working on things that are not really related to their mission, but they do take time. 
Henry David Thoreau said, it is not enough to be busy. The question is, what are we busy about? Now, there are a ton of things in the dental office that are urgent, but not really essentially important to your goals. These things should be delegated and automated as much as possible. So clinical notes, adjustments, insurance matters, lab things, cleaning, maintenance, pain bills. Um, Dentists that take too many of these tasks on themselves become overwhelmed and they end up getting lost under wearing, you know, too many hats. These activities are not supportive of your goals, which should be to treat patients great and to produce as much as possible. And because they're not supportive of that, we want somebody else to be doing it. So delegate those. Quadrant four, the last square are, you can probably guess, things that are neither important or urgent. And this is where the time wasters are. Activities in this category would be mindless TV watching, consuming social media endlessly, cheap conversations like gossip or, you know, just surfing the internet. Now, there is a place for leisure and unwinding. I think we all understand that that is important. But spending significant or appreciable amounts of time in this area really results in failure for us to reach our goals. So obviously, we want to limit squares three and four as much as possible. Don't spend time on unimportant things, whether they seem urgent or not. What we want to do is put a laser-like focus on quadrant two or the things that are truly important, even though they may not necessarily be urgent this very moment. Something I like from this this model from Stephen Covey, it was one of his very first books. But one of the things I like is that it doesn't require you to become like ultra efficient and it doesn't require you to get everything done by becoming a checklist guru or some multitasker. Instead of trying to show you how to get everything done, it tells you that not everything needs to be done and that you should choose to do the things that matter most to your goals, vision, and your life mission. I found that very helpful. I think it's something that can be helpful for you too. Related to this, an important skill to have in the mastery of time is... I believe, the ability to say no. While we only have a finite amount of minutes in each day and week, it seems like we have endless demands. If we are prioritizing the most valuable, we need to comfortably be able to decline those things that don't have the most value. I'm confident you understand what I'm saying here. For example, I remember in college and dental school, I felt at times stretched very thin. It seemed like there was always more schoolwork to be done. I had my wife and our young kids at home. I was involved in a fair amount of service endeavors with my church and and at school. I was fortunate to have some close friends and a lot of what you maybe would describe as acquaintance friends. You know, and there were study groups and extracurricular things. So a lot on the plate, as I'm sure you can probably relate with. But every time something was asked of me, I struggled to say no because I didn't want to let somebody down or I didn't want to come across rude. So instead, I I tried to do everything and I tried to be there for everybody. I quickly learned that this is not healthy or productive. 
trying to do everything really meant that I did mostly nothing or at least nothing well. After a long time saying yes to everything and to everyone, I realized that in saying yes to the unimportant things, I was in essence saying no to the proper amount of time and attention to, well, my kids at home, the things most important to me. So all my goals, the whole idea of sacrificing to go through college and dental school was so that I could provide for my family and be able to have time to spend with them. And yet here I was spinning my wheels, letting myself be pulled in so many directions away from them. So it was difficult. It wasn't, you know, my a natural thing for me. It was kind of against my personality, but I learned to say no. I declined the extracurricular things that did not directly support my career goals. I politely passed on social events, except with my close friends whose relationships I really cherished. And I learned to even say no to my service commitments, even though those are good and worthy things. I would say no if it meant time away from my, my wife and kids. And I'm sure you can relate as most of us are pretty busy people. Focusing on things and people that matter most requires us to pass on the less important and to let go of shallow relationships. Well, I think it is something easy to struggle with because we don't want to let people down. I'm a lot better at saying no kindly now. So, you know, when patients call me on the weekend, I sometimes still don't know where they're getting my number from, but they'll get around my answering service and find my cell phone number. I think one of the insurances like posted my cell phone number on one of their like books. Not my favorite thing. But anyways, if I get a call on weekend, I'm almost always going to tell the patient that I'm sorry, but I'm unavailable to come in until Monday. You know, maybe that goes against what some of the listeners believe in. But for me, that's how I'm choosing to prioritize my time right now. I struggled my first year out with letting go of working on Fridays. I was afraid to tell those patients no, those patients that really like Fridays. But eventually I manned up and I accepted, you know, the lifestyle practice way. And I said, we're not going to work anymore Fridays and we're going to cut back time on Thursdays. And we did it. And if we lost patients, to be honest, I'm really not aware of them. We certainly didn't lose any production. Now, you know, if I'm invited to a social event, I may likely decline it if I don't have time set aside already that day for my family. I know I'm probably starting to sound pretty cold and antisocial right now. I get it. Maybe that's valid, but really it doesn't have to be the same for you. You know, maybe you really value certain casual social events and they're enjoyable for you or whatever. Maybe it's rejuvenating for you. That's fine. The point I'm trying to make is to choose what's important to you and learn to say no to the other things that are pulling you away from what is. Another quote, time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. And I think that is easily done if we're not careful. The last point I wanted to suggest to you is to act early. And let me explain what this means. We all understand the time value of money. You know, $100 today is worth more than $100 next year because we can invest it, we'll reap its growth, and interest compounding on itself is exponential. So the earlier you put in, the earlier you start the exponential curve, the more profound your growth will be over time. Now, 
it's not just this way with money. There is also a time value of investing in ourselves and our businesses if we do it earlier rather than later. To illustrate this, I remember back in dental school with Derek, we were sitting through like an extra lunch and learn or, or some some lecture where we had an impressive private practice GP come in and present to all the seniors. And he showed us, you know, up on the PowerPoint, his awesome cosmetic cases. You know, he showed his beautiful office that he, he designed and built. He showed a video of his team doing four and even six-handed dentistry. And then he kind of told us that he learned these things over decades of CE and that now he was very, you know, financially successful, you know, when he's in his upper 50s or maybe 60. And, you know, it was great. We really enjoyed it. It was impressive stuff. But at the end, you know, I was sitting with Derek and I remember he kind of leaned over to me and said, it's really cool to see, you know, all that this guy has done. But it's interesting to look at how it has taken him 30 years to get to that point. And I, I agreed with his thought. You know, it was impressive what this guy was doing and what he'd learned. But what if you could learn the same things and build a similar successful business in, you know, say, instead of 30 years or instead of even 13 years, what if you did it in three years? It's hard work, no doubt. But what if you put the time and effort right in up front and then you were able to reap the rewards exponentially every year after that. This is what I mean by using your time, capitalizing on your time early on. And this is what we mean when we talk about front-loading the process. So don't let fear, hesitation, or certainly laziness stop you from moving to make your goals happen now instead of that always distant someday. This can be buying a practice if you're an associate and you want to get into ownership. This can be expanding your own office adding an op, you know, adding an, a hygienist. Maybe this is mastering a new specialty procedure or dropping an insurance. Make the move now rather than later so that you can reap the benefits for all the time in between. Hope that makes sense. You know, the, the closure of most dental offices right now, while it is nothing any of us would choose, it suddenly gives us more time than we have probably had in a long time. So I'd invite us all to reconsider our use of time. What quadrant are you going to spend your time in? What is going to be important to you? And how will you say no to the things that are not important to you? When are you going to get up and act on your bold goals? Hopefully, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this subject. Please comment on our Facebook page. Certainly let us know what you're doing. Share any ideas or questions. And as always, if we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly. Easiest way is through email, Steve, Derek, or Justin at thelifestylepractice.com. And with that, until next week, be safe, keep healthy, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks. We don't care what they all